0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbas of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. And Jim, Lisa Murkowski wants to keep her job. That's pretty much the uh, the lesson I'm taking away from our good martini today, and that's that Nira Tandon will not be the next uh, director of the Office of Management and Budget. Yesterday, the Biden administration officially withdrew it. The statement says it was really her request. Uh huh. I have accepted Neera Tandon's request to withdraw her name from nomination for director of the Office of Management and Budget. I have the utmost respect for her record of accomplishment, her experience, and her counsel, and I look forward to having her serve in a role in my administration. She will bring valuable perspective and insight to our work. He capitalized administration. So I don't know if that's just the format left over from the Trump administration or what it is, Jim. But uh, Nira Tandon could not find that Republican vote once Joe Manchin said he was voting no. And there are some rumblings that there might have been other Democrats who would have voted no, but just never announced so publicly. So like we joked about a few days ago, she's going to terrorize somebody in the West Wing of the White House because she's still going to work for the administration in some capacity. But terrible actions on on Twitter and just berating people, outing sexual assault accusers and so
1: forth, uh, caught up with Neera Tandon. Good. Yeah, you know, as I wrote yesterday that when the history of the Biden administration is written, uh, the nom- the now failed nomination of Neera Tandon will get about a paragraph uh, early on. This is not a particularly big deal. Most of the time you can't mention who the director of the Office of Management and Budget is. But all of the thing, and I said you know the Biden administration is going to find somebody who's got pretty much the same views that near Tandon does, but who doesn't have the history of HR problems and who doesn't have the uh, being nasty to the senators she needs to have vote to confirm her uh, the way that Tandon does. But I still think that's a good thing that you know that basically this is a uh, good life lesson for everybody who's active in politics. That if you, uh, one, try to avoid having those HR issues because they can give you uh, that kind of a problem. And then two, you know, if you make enemies, then they may not vote to confirm you when you end up working for a White, or if, if you want to work for a White House someday. Uh, keeping it civil does have some advantages in this. You know, she could have said, you know, I think Murkowski is, is just happens to be wrong on this issue. But she didn't. She said uh, she's getting high on her own supply and, and things like that. But I, the other thing, which is, like an interesting aspect of all this is that, from all indications, the, Murkowski says she never told the White House she was resolutely had decided to vote against Tandon. There's been a lot of talk about Murkowski meeting with the administration over the last couple of days, and she had look. Murkowski's is not stupid. She knows the situation she was in. She could save the near Tandon uh, nomination, but the question was, you know, what was she going to get in return for it? You know, she had no particular interest in. Uh, Saving Neera Tandon from the consequences of her own actions. So it's like, all right, you know, Biden administration, what are you going to do for me? Now, in normal circumstances, you know, Lisa Murkowski, other than maybe Susan Collins, is probably the easiest Republican senator for a Democrat to win over. But, you know, we're talking about a, a new incoming in Biden administration who barred all drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, suspended oil and gas leasing across millions of acres of federal lands and waters in Alaska. Um, there, there's a whole you know, the governor is screaming bloody murder you know the argument that a whole bunch of people in uh, Alaska's oil and natural gas industry is that the biden administration has declared war on Alaska that might be a little hyperbolic but basically if you want a Republican senator from Alaska to come in and save your butt you'd better find some way to warm up to them and the biden administration has put no effort into uh, moderate or basically they've, they've been taking care of their environmentalist friends and the green activists and that's fine. But there's a consequence to that. And so given a choice between pleasing the environmentalists or getting support from Murkowski when the administration really needed it, Biden chose the Greens and the environmentalists. That's fine, but just recognize that's the consequence and that Murkowski is not going to be there to save you on issues like Tandon or any other nomination fights or probably on the COVID relief bill and a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, by the way, you know Murkowski was one of those 10 Republican senators who went to the White House and said, hey, we've got a smaller, more targeted COVID relief bill that we think could pass with more than 60 votes. And the Biden White House turned it down. You can make those decisions, but there will be consequences of those decisions. And this whole idea of this Biden team that was ready to hit the ground running, and Joe Biden is a creature of the Senate, and he's got all these relationships built up there, I don't. I think that's kind of been overhyped. I don't think we should be looking for uh, Joe Biden, the fantastic deal maker, and just to kind of a useful illustration of all the other fights that this administration is going to have in at least the next two years. Greg, if they're having this much trouble getting a COVID relief bill passed, like this is the easy one. <laughs> you really think gun control or immigration is going to go easier than this?
0: Well, that's why they're already talking about filibuster reform instead of elimination now, because they they have to have their minimum wage increase. They have to have their election reform. We'll get into those issues as they uh, come more front and center in, in the days and weeks to come. Uh, Jim, uh, I would say that uh, Biden has not only declared war on Alaska, at least policy-wise, uh, he's declared war on our pocketbooks energy-wise, if you've been to the gas pump lately. But let's talk about Lisa Murkowski. Uh, this is going to be a feather in her cap as she tries to run for re-election, assuming she runs for re-election next year. But uh, she did vote to convict, which is probably not super popular with the base. She voted essentially against Kavanaugh. She eventually just didn't vote at all because she paired off with Steve Daines, who wasn't going to be there and supported Kavanaugh, but was at his daughter's wedding. And she voted against uh, repealing Obamacare. So (laughs) what's her future look like in a Republican primary, which is probably the hardest part of getting reelected in Alaska?
1: Well, I mean, look, the fact that she has survived past challenges probably would give you a sense that, you know, I don't quite want to say she's bulletproof. Um, We've seen lawmaker, Arlen Specter, you would have said, was bulletproof in Pennsylvania for a long time. Narrowly won a primary against Pat Toomey. And by the next time it came around, it looked pretty clear Toomey was going to beat him in the uh, primary. The Republican Party of Pennsylvania had just Either it had become more conservative or Arlen Specter had drifted too far to the left by the time that happened. So it's not like it never happens, but it pretty rarely happens. And on a bunch of these fights, particularly on the environmental stuff, Murkowski is very much setting herself up as the defender of Alaska, the defender of jobs in her state and things like that. So I'm not expecting her to be a loser of a primary in this upcoming cycle, but stranger things have
0: happened. True including Lisa Murkowski losing her primary in 2010 and winning re-election as a write-in. So just... I mean, spelling Murkowski's hard, Greg. <laughs> it is, it is. So, uh, But anything can happen. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Uh, let's talk about one of our great sponsors today. If you need to see clearly and how you vote in Alaska or elsewhere, uh, maybe Coastal is the way to go. And you don't even have to go to the optometrist anymore in, in order to pick out your glasses. Coastal makes it really easy You can browse and try on hundreds of frames virtually
1: without even having to leave your couch. At Coastal.com, you can get prescription glasses starting at $9 with free shipping and 60-day risk-free returns. Plus, they have the most advanced virtual try-on technology that you'll find anywhere. You can turn your frames into sunglasses by testing out colored lens tints or finally see what a cat eye or aviator would really look like on your face right on your own phone. With Coastal, you don't have to spend hours at the store or hundreds of dollars to get a new style. You just go to Coastal.com, pick the frames you want, enter your prescription details, and your glasses will arrive in just a few days. I've gotten glasses on Coastal.
0: It's amazing because I got glasses through the regular eye doctor, and whatever was going on with the angle of the lens or whatever, it was uh, the glasses weren't doing it for me. So uh, we got this opportunity to get glasses through Coastal. I did it. And bam, first try, the, uh, the glasses work fantastic. Coastal has over 2,000 frames to choose from, 24-hour customer support, and Newsweek called it America's best customer service. And when you buy a pair of glasses from Coastal, you can donate a pair to someone in need, just one click, no extra cost. To date, Coastal has given more than 470,000 pairs of glasses to people in need. Starts at $9, don't have to leave the couch. This is the way to shop for glasses. And now for a limited time, Coastal is offering three Martini Lunch listeners the best deal they have going anywhere. 30% off your first pair of glasses at Coastal.com slash martini. Get free shipping, 60-day risk-free returns and 30% off at Coastal.com slash martini. The discount will be applied at checkout. It's only for a limited time though. C-O-A-S-T-A-L.com slash martini. Some restrictions do apply. Coastal.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's talk about Texas. Texas was in the news yesterday. Greg Abbott on Twitter getting everybody ready, saying, big announcement, 15 minutes. And uh, turns out he's opening everything up. Uh, no mask mandate. Uh, businesses can open up as much as they want. Uh, and Jim, you see this is kind of a, a good news, be careful situation. Uh, first of all, you point out in the morning, jolt today that uh, Texas has done a pretty good job, better than a lot of states, in getting folks vaccinated. Uh, between the the work that CVS and Walgreens is doing in the nursing homes and uh, assisted living facilities, uh, Texas has also done a pretty good job of managing the vaccine distribution. So they're kind of ahead of the game. Uh, Abbott is, of course, not telling you you can't wear a mask or you can't keep restrictions on your business. Uh, and so a lot of folks... Uh, certainly on the, the libertarian side are saying, well, yeah, leave that up to individuals, leave that up to the legislature if they want to go there, enough of the executive edict. So, uh, Jim, what do you make of the vaccination rate in Texas and what do you make of opening back up as much as folks want to?
1: Yeah, shortly after Abbott announced this, I heard from a couple of folks who I talked to about uh, COVID and pandemic related issues pretty regularly. And a couple of them were very concerned about this, like, what is he doing so I went back and I looked at the numbers and they were updated. And you know, here's the thing: if you go that, if you are in Texas and you're not vaccinated at all yet, I tell you to still be careful. Uh, you know, you can still get it. Uh, odds are, if you're not vaccinated at all, you're probably not in one of those high risk categories. You're probably not elderly. You're probably not immunocompromised. And if you are in one of those groups and you haven't been vaccinated yet you should you know see what you can do to get that vaccination and you should probably continue taking precautions if you are younger and healthier i still might take some precautions you know wear the masks and all that kind of stuff just because you don't want to get it because the chances of you having a severe reaction are small but you can't guarantee that you're not gonna be one of those person who's gonna have diminished lung capacity or a lingering cough or, or issues. Again, it's rare, the odds are nine, high 90 some, you're gonna recover and you're gonna be fine, but you know, you'd know, you rather not take that risk. Maybe the risk is small enough and, and you know, uh, Texans are not exactly known for being shy and risk averse and, and all that stuff. Um, now, if you're vaccinated, after one shot, you've got something in the neighborhood of uh, more than half. And some people, I think it was the Pfizer one. Some studies said up to 85% protection. doesn't mean you shouldn't get that second one. It just means, you know, that first shot could or, should already start doing some good for you two weeks in. So you look at the numbers and you, you alluded to, the, to this, Greg. You know, by and large, they've done the the nursing homes almost entirely. Everybody's got at least one. Almost everybody's got one shot. And something around the lanes of, you know, 76 from the ones served by C, 76%. For the facilities served by CBS, 89% of the ones uh, served by Walgreens have gotten that second dose by now. So we really shouldn't be seeing any big outbreaks in the nursing homes and long-term care facilities in Texas. And for obvious reasons, that's where we were most concerned. Now, are there are there senior citizens in Texas who live outside of these kinds of facilities? Yeah, yeah. There's you know there's there's still things we need to worry about. But by and large, if you ask me, what's going to happen if Texas? Uh, repealed it and everybody goes back to living normally. Well, I I wouldn't be surprised if you saw cases go up. Uh, The virus is still out there. We're worried about these more uh, contagious variants. You know, we're we're not out of the woods yet. But the good news is we should be seeing fewer hospitalizations and we should be seeing significantly fewer deaths because we protected the people who are at highest risk of this. So I, I don't think this is disastrous. I feel like the denunciations of Texas, including, you know, California Governor Gavin Newsom tweeted out that it was madness or something like that. Greg, I didn't see whether he tweeted it from a restaurant that had been closed <laughs> um, that he had managed to open just for himself and his friends and lobbyists or something. But uh, so again, a lot of overreaction by this. But that having been said, Texas, you're not quite out of the woods yet. I'd encourage you to still be a little more careful at least until you've got at least one vaccination in you. Ideally, too, Johnson and Johnson's coming out this week, and you should be able to get that one dose. Bang, bing, bang boom, you're, you're done, you're set. Uh, and your full protection doesn't really kick in until two weeks after that second one. Again, we're all impatient. We all want to get back to you know normal life. We're coming up on that one year anniversary of when it felt like everything changed. I sympathize with the impatience. Um, but I also feel like this is not madness, this is not insanity that some people are said. And you know, Greg, I'm just thinking back, like it'd be a lot easier to have these conversations if when a state made a decision that a liberal magazine writer didn't like, it didn't get greeted with headlines like Georgia's experiment in human sacrifice, you know, (laughs) the fact, Oh, by the way, there are still people living in Georgia. You may have noticed that in the last year that they did not suddenly die off and it did not look like, you know, uh, people getting dipped into lava in temple of doom or something like that. So um, it'd be nice if we could have a a grown-up discussion about this, about risks and risks and benefits and, costs and benefits and things like that. But we can't do that, Greg. Apparently, we have to believe that every Republican governor is secretly, you know, sacrificing people to ball or something.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, Keith Olbermann was out there now saying that nobody in Texas should get the vaccine because uh, they're opening back up. But uh, if we talked every time Keith Olbermann said something insane, we'd be talking about him nonstop. Uh, Jim, uh, as they open back up, there's uh, folks saying, this is a lesson that uh, going forward, whether there's another pandemic or some other thing, this should be left up to the legislature to create policies that have the uh, enforcement of law. This not this should not be the edicts of a governor, whether you elect the governor or not. Uh, and it should be left up to either the legislature or the business owners or the individuals. Go ahead and give them recommendations and so forth. But ultimately, it's not for one elected leader to decide what everybody has to do. How do you react to that?
1: Yeah, I already saw the Alamo Draft House said that as far as we're concerned, everybody's still got to wear masks. We're not changing any of our policies. Uh, we're still going by CDC guidance. And that's fine. And you know, if you if you feel like some sort of establishment is not, uh, you don't feel safe in it, then, then go to another establishment. I, I think that's probably the best choice for everyone. Uh, let customers decide. There are some people, but again, there are some people who are now well past two weeks of their second dose. So there are some people who are effectively immune to the virus right now. oh, by the way, even to the variants, the variants, like we're worried about the variants and the the vaccines we're getting may not fight off the new variants quite as well, but nobody's seen generated any studies that say, oh, we are completely helpless to this, this variant. The vaccine doesn't do you any good. We're right back to square one. So if you're vaccinated, you can pretty much go out and live your life. I'd say wear the mask just so you're not like, you know, you know, we don't put ourselves in a situation where supermarket clerks have to check people for the vaccine cards and stuff um but by and large the day is coming and we're talking you know a month two months three months where people are going to stop wearing those masks and start living their lives normally because we're knocking on the door uh by that point we should we certainly should have enough vaccines if the states could get them into arms (laughs) but everyone's tired of hearing me talk about that yeah it's real simple
0: if you want to open your business do it if you're not ready yet don't do it if you want to go patronize that business do it if you're not ready yet don't do it. <laughs> Leave the government out of it as much as humanly possible. It's a debate that's going to keep going. <laughs> Every time somebody makes a decision one way or the other on COVID policy, one side or the other is going to definitely have a strong reaction, and especially on uh, those who don't want to open yet. All right, let's talk about my pillow. Uh, my pillow is, of course, well known for making great pillows. I love mine. Uh, but now my pillow has given the same attention that they've given their pillows to their towels and their sheets. Right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can buy one, get one free on all six-piece towel sets and the
1: Giza Dream Sheet sets. My pillow towels have proprietary technology that makes these towels highly absorbent. They are soft to the touch without that lotion-y feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee, They're washable, dryable, and there are seven colors to choose from.
0: The MyPillow Giza Dreams bed sheets are made with the world's best cotton, making them ultra-soft and breathable. The sateen weave gives them a luxurious finish. Ten-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Also washable and dryable with a wide variety of colors and sizes. Uh, Visit MyPillow.com to learn more. Right now, our listeners get all six-piece towel sets and Giza sheets. Buy one, get one free. Just use the promo code MARTINI at checkout or call 800-874-0104. That's MyPillow.com, code MARTINI or call 800-874-0104 for buy one, get one free on all six-piece towel sets and Giza Dream Sheets. All right, Jim, you mentioned that we are uh, basically one year since a whole lot of things changed. And last I checked, math-wise, one year is longer than nine months. And when people generally are stuck at home for a while, nine months later... They have a new arrival at their house. We uh, have many stories, of course, with the soldiers returning from World War II, big baby boom. Whole generation called the baby boomers. The uh, famous power outage in New York in the 70s, baby boom. Uh, Big blizzards about a decade ago, not as big, but definitely a little bit of of a baby bump. This time, the exact opposite, and it's got folks worried about where we're headed here. CBS News, provisional birth rate data provided to CBS News by 29 state health departments shows a roughly 7.3% decline in births in December 2020, which of course is nine months after COVID-19 was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization. California, the most populous state, reported a 10.2% decline falling to 32,910 births in December from more than 36,000 the year prior. In the same time frame, births declined by 30% uh, in Hawaii, actually a little bit more than that. While birth rates have been falling for nearly a decade, Phil Cohen, a sociologist at the University of Maryland said December's drop was the biggest he's seen since the baby boom ended in 1964. In an interview with CBS News, Cohen says the scale of this is really large, regardless of whether you think it's good or bad to have a lot of children. The fact that we're suddenly having fewer means things are not going well for a lot of people. So part of this, Jim, is confidence uh, about the future. I think part of it is uh, young adults right now, the millennials and soon the the Gen Zs, if they're not already in that uh, time of life are less likely to have kids. The The birth rates were down already. And so I don't know if our demographic time bomb is looking as bad as China's and, and Europe's at this point, but it's clearly headed in the wrong direction. And when you have a golden opportunity with not much else to do besides watch Netflix there for a couple of months, and there's no babies showing up nine months later, America's got some issues.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Netflix and chill generally requires some other person to do the chill part with. <laughs> um, that's, you know, that, that's about as, that's about as ribald as we're going to get on this podcast. Um, a little earlier, I, I made the comment, about that Atlantic magazine headline that, uh, it said, you know, Georgia's experimented human sacrifice. Uh, when March began, I think, I think it was all or somebody on Twitter had said they had done a, that little, a little clip from, uh, the princess bride in which uh, the, the bad guy is torturing Wesley and he's got this complicated contraption device and he does some uh, excruciating pain. And then he says, I've just stolen one year of your life from you. Right? The idea that this machine takes a year whatever off whatever your natural lifespan would have been. And they put that up and they said, this is what you know, COVID-19 did. It took one year of our lives from us. Now, look, that's a slight exaggeration, but I think it's safe to say that if you're listening to this podcast, just about everybody had to put some aspects of their lives on hold for the past year. Uh, Some people lost their jobs and have gone through extremely tough times. Some people have had, uh, kids have not been in school, we've had all kinds of problems with addiction, Um, you know, worries about protecting people from spousal abuse, family abuse, things like that. Even if you were one of the lucky ones, even if you managed to to be able to uh, maintain your employment and you were not financially wrecked by this, well, you weren't traveling if you were, you know, you were strongly discouraged from having family gatherings. You were strongly discouraged from having parties. Uh, you, you were allowed to see people, but you had to keep six feet away, no hugs, no kisses, no, uh, none of that stuff. And for much of this past year, how exactly, if you were not already attached to someone, were you supposed to go out and meet someone? I, I was in the back of my mind, I've kind of wondered if one of the reasons There were a lot of reasons people showed up to George Floyd protests in the late spring and early summer of last year. But I also point out it was the first time you were allowed to go out and interact with people in a way that would not get the scolds wagging their fingers at you. And we can argue about whether that's hypocrisy. And as a spoiler alert, yes, it was hypocrisy. But you couldn't begrudge someone for wanting to participate because we've been the, the health experts of this world for admittedly a very good reason at the beginning of this pandemic, and then one that became tougher and tougher to justify as the year stretched on, asked us to do something very, very difficult, right? They asked us to not see people. A human connection is what keeps us going. It's not Netflix that keeps us going. It's not uh, the ability to order takeout that keeps us going. We we are in, in this world and on this earth to connect with people. And one of those ways is through love. And if you were happy enough, to ha- lucky enough to have someone who- to love before all this began, okay, it's great. Although honestly, I think there's probably very few couples on this earth who would not say that the uh, coronavirus pandemic did not challenge their relationship in any way, shape, or form. You don't have to have kids at home to have had that kind of experience. And there has, there was a bit of a burst of uh, uh, divorces. Although I don't, you know, people have said it wasn't quite as big as some people were were speculating at the time. It's not surprising the birth rate would drop dramatically in the past year people, uh, as you said, the anxiety about the future. Um, like if, if you ever find yourself and think, oh, look, yeah, look how screwed up the world is. Who would ever want to bring a kid into, into this world? Well, the world has always been screwed up and we've always had babies. So there is no perfect time where the world is going to feel like it's at peace and prosperity and there are no problems on the horizon. There have always been problems on the horizon. There are always going to be problems on the horizon. That's not a reason to not have a child if you and your partner feel like you're ready for it, I'll just tell you go for it. Nobody ever tells you how great it is. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's going to throw all kinds of challenges into your life. Somebody once accurately described it, and Greg, I'll let you decide whether you want to agree with this. Children are this amazing gift in life that do not allow you to enjoy many other gifts in life. <laughs> Yes, at least they, in the early years.
0: They they de- yeah, they definitely uh, consume your focus, but it is so worth it. Uh and and we are both blessed in that department. Uh Jim, just to g- pick up on your princess bride analogy here. Are we saying that the uh effort to uh procreate here is mostly dead? And if so? <laughs> not
1: entirely dead. Yes.
0: Yes, uh, only mostly dead, but we're, we need Miracle Max here. I'm not sure who who fits that parallel.
1: <laughs> Well, you know, okay, so I just had a, a corner post go up. And so the, the Biden administration is is boasting that they've now secured enough doses of the vaccine uh, to vaccinate every adult American by the end of May. And they're not quite saying everybody's gonna be vaccinated by the end of May because having the vaccine does not automatically mean it's going to get into somebody's arm. But I've run the numbers on this we should be seeing some dramatic changes over the next couple of months. Remember, herd immunity is not like a light switch where it just turns on and off. As more and more people get immunized, the number of new unimmunized bodies or people who haven't had it before that the virus can jump into should be shrinking steadily. And so we should be seeing cases go down, we should be seeing hospitalizations go down, and we really should be seeing deaths go down, as I alluded to earlier when we were discussing taxes. So we should be, by Memorial Day, like. You know, By that point, certainly every teacher will be vaccinated, so there's no reason to keep any schools closed. I realize some schools end their school year in May, a couple go into June, um, but certainly no reason for that. By Memorial Day, everybody should be okay going to baseball games. Everybody should be okay going to religious services. You want to get on a plane? You should be able to get on a plane. We should be free to go and do whatever you want to do, and I kind of allude to the end of this. Um but you know, not every single adult American will be vaccinated by then. In for you know for three reasons. One is the possibility states aren't good at distributing this. In that case, they'll be held to pay. There are a very small group of people who are allergic to the uh, ingredients in the vaccine. If you're in that category, you have my deepest sympathies. I guess you got to wait till herd immunity. Um, that's a really lousy situation to be in. But the third way is there's some people who will just not want to take the vaccine. Now, if you want to make that choice, that's fine. I strongly disagree with it. Would urge you otherwise, but fine. It's your right as an American. But you better not expect me as a vaccinated American to change one little thing about how I live my life because you're not vaccinated. Because you made that choice, you got to deal with those consequences. Um, People are not going to stop gathering in groups. They're not going to socially distance. They're probably not even going to wear masks because there's a bunch of people out there who are anti-vaxxer and chose not to do it. Everybody else took the risk of getting the vaccine. So far, for most people, there are no consequences. Although, honestly, some people are saying that second shot can wallop them. And actually, there's some people who have said the first shot can give them some, uh, some unpleasant health reactions. But they pass pretty quickly in most cases. And it certainly is the, it's worth the relief of knowing that the COVID-19 uh, SARS-CoV-2 is not going to suddenly come along and give you real serious health problems that could linger. This is the choice before us. And my sneaking suspicion is that by late spring... We should be well along the lines to normal life again. And I'd like to think that as that happens, it's an old saying, in spring, a young man's thoughts turn to baseball, or maybe <laughs> rounding bases of some other kind.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if vaccines are the only thing holding uh, young married couples back from starting families, but if it is, uh, go ahead and get that vaccine and then have fun storming the castle. <laughs> <laughs> See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Karumbas. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We are very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Also, remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday, and please join us Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.